I think we can safely say at this point that our lead times for the factory have come down. As our customers are, are not shy about reminding us on a frequent basis, uh, we could always do more. Uh, we could always do it faster. And uh, we've got a lot of horsepower behind trying to do that because we absolutely want to serve our customers and their needs. And again, more faster is the name of the game. Welcome back to the Gas Compression Podcast, the only podcast out there for those of us working in the gas compression industry. I'm your host, Michael Hanning, bringing you discussions with the leaders of our industry discussing the trends and what the future holds. This episode is brought to you by Disco. That stands for Diversified Industrial Service Company. Disco has machine shops and mechanical rebuild facilities servicing Southwest Kansas all the way down the Permian Basin. Disco specializes in rebuilding and reconditioning reciprocating compressor cylinders and their components, as well as rotary screw compressors. So if you need a reliable partner in maintaining uptime, check them out at disco-inc.com. Hey, welcome back to the Gas Compression Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Hanning, and I'm joined today by Russell Goss. He's the sales manager at CAT for the gas compression side of things. Russell, welcome to the Gas Compression Podcast. Thanks, Michael. Glad to be here. Yeah. So um, a lot of people listening to this podcast uh, have something that you make in their fleet and or work on something that you you guys make in your fleet. So I think this is going to be a great conversation, but I always like to start with just kind of your background and how you ended up in this industry. So you have an engineering background, I think I read. And so how did you make your way into the gas compression world? Uh, as fast as I could, Michael, <laughs> on that. I think I will share. So for me, my background, uh, just going back to the beginning, uh, I'm from the Nashville, Tennessee area, grew up in Tennessee. Uh, most of my family is still there in the middle Tennessee area. Uh, went to school at Tennessee Tech University, majored in mechanical engineering. From there, I went on to uh, grad school at the University of Tennessee. And at that point, I uh, hired straight on with Caterpillar after school. You know, so 15 years ago, 2008, I uh, came into CAT on the engineering side of the business, actually came in on the tractor side into our wheel loader product group. Uh, from there, I was in kind of a traditional engineering role in that case. Uh, it was good. I had a lot of fun. I got to build medium wheel loaders, just like you build Legos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like when you were a kid, I mean, literally yeah. it was our, our first iteration of our K series wheel loader. Um, it was part of my job to go validate our standard work for building those tractors as we were introducing that new product. So literally you, you get a build sheet with instructions and pictures. <laughs> and go put a wheel loader together. So it's a that was a pretty cool way to come into CAT. Yeah. Um, but as as I got into that, uh, I I think I quickly found that I, I I could do the engineering piece of it. But I was kind of that stubborn engineer that kept asking why, like why are we doing the things that we're doing? What is the customer value that they get out of it? And I just kept gravitating more and more to that area. So uh, I had a boss at the time that uh, very great to work with, great mentor. Uh, he helped uh, I'd say open my eyes to the breadth of opportunities at Caterpillar across industries, across job roles. And at that time, I was, I was able to find an opportunity in Cat Oil and Gas in 2011 uh, to come down here and participate in what we call a, a product definition role. But that's looking at, you know, really, where does our product need to be, you know, three years from now, five years from now, or 10 years from now? And where do we put the R&D to go do that? So it was kind of a hybrid commercial and technical role that I came into. And since then, it's just my career has progressed through various additional technical roles, uh, spent some time doing account management, spent some time doing uh, services development. 
And specifically for the past five years, I've been working with our gas compression customers, uh, really looking to make sure that they're getting the most out of their cat assets and their aftermarket support, the cat products. All right. Well, well, let's just jump right into that topic about, uh, I think the the unicorn is increase capacity and lower emissions, right? I mean, I, I, if you across the board, like that's that's the unicorn. I mean, you, you, you always, it's always like that's always the the thing people are wanting to do. So, is there anything new going on or coming out of of Cat that is going to address that issue? And if so, can can you talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm not sure I could have summarized it any better in terms of uh, more, more output, more throughput, but I, will, I need lower emissions in the process. That's right. That's right. So um, no, that, so that's uh, exactly what, we, what we've what we introduced this year. So with our, our 3600 platform, so our, our G3600s, everything from the six cylinder, eight cylinder, 12 cylinder, 16 cylinder, uh, we introduced our Gen 2 offering this year for our A4 platform. So with that, it, it really did address both of those things. Uh, that that offering came with an, an additional 10% horsepower uh, for each one of those cylinder counts, as well as a reduction in several of the emissions constituents uh, for that engine. So is that the big difference between the Gen two and the Gen one? 10% increased horsepower and lower emission. How do you how are y'all doing that? I'm just curious. It's uh, we, we've got a lot of smart engineers at, 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 at in Lafayette, Indiana, which is where our product group is. But uh, really, it's, it's a combination of some in-cylinder technology and software. So right. there's some key iron differences uh, from the piston ring and liner standpoint. Uh, we have a different pre-chamber that enables those lower greenhouse gases. And I'll say that the 10% upgrade uh, is actually an option with that because not everybody may opt for that additional horsepower every time because there is uh, some trade-offs with heat rejection that come with that additional horsepower. Uh, that, you know, especially if you're looking at updating or retrofitting existing product with some of this low greenhouse gas iron, you mm -hmm. may or may not have that capacity in your cooler. You may opt for, you know, let's say, maintaining the horsepower, but still gaining the benefits of the lower greenhouse gas output of that. Mm -hmm. How has technology changed over the years, what you guys are doing? Because the theory of a combustion engine is the same as it was 50 years ago. But now with technology, how are you, how is CAT using that to, to their advantage to help the operators? So in terms of how the technology has changed, I think one thing, if you look at how our engines have evolved over times, uh, maybe not every technician out there would enjoy this, but electronics enable a lot of that. It, and what we're able to do through, you know, not only the hardware on the engines, but with mm -hmm. the software and the controls of those uh, that's a key contributor to it. But it's also the, our vast technical resources that we have uh, out of Lafayette, as well as our, our tech centers. Uh, we do a lot of work with single cylinder development of our engines. And so that's, you know, a, a mock-up of a cylinder with, you know, piston ring, liner. And really that that's the core of where our technology starts mm -hmm. is at that tech center and proving it out in a single cylinder, taking it to multi-cylinders. And then eventually, you know, that iron makes its way to the field. So it's, I'd say it's, it's a very iterative approach that our, that our engineers have, but it's uh, a wide array, array of approaches that we take to improve our product. And specifically in the gas compression world, I, I've been around for probably 15 years. I'm on the machine shop side. So okay. we re, we rebuild and recondition compressors. We don't really, we have, we don't have anything to do with engines. And so we don't, that's just not the business that we're in, but it just seems over the years that the cat aerial combination has just taken over 
the whole industry. And I'm just curious, like, how did that happen? Uh, what is the deal with Ariel? How did you, how did that happen? You know, just, can you, can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So I, I well, I, I can, I think that's something I'd much rather have our customers answer on that and, and, and let them speak for what they see as the, the, the value drivers between the cat side and the aerial side. I think, you know, on that, what I will say is, you know, if you start with the, what I'll call the table stakes or, or the things that you must do to have an engine product out there that meets the emissions requirements, you have to do those things initially out of the mm -hmm. gate. But then beyond that, I think we found that our customers place a great premium on reliability and durability and the uptime of their assets. Um, yeah, at, as you know, and at many of them market 98% uptime or better in this market. Mm -hmm. And we feel like we've had a product out there and we'll continue to have a product out there that helps them deliver on that. And so while I, I can't speak for Ariel, I feel like they, they must be doing something right in that department as well. Um, and you know, at, at that point, I'd probably direct you to some of our customers and have them speak to uh, why they buy what they buy. But we're, yeah. we're very glad to participate in this market the way that we do. So speaking of your customers, uh, who who are your customers out in the gas compression field? Is it mostly the bigger operators, the Oxys, the XTOs? Uh, who are the who are the big who who do you consider your customers? Yeah, so that's a great question. And for me, you know, I've had the luxury in my time in Cat Oil and Gas of, of interacting with the various what we would call segments within Caterpillar. So we support land drilling, uh, we support pressure pumping or you know hydraulic fracturing as some would call it, and then the gas compression segment. And I've had the opportunity to work and, and have touch points with customers in each one of those segments. I'll tell you that there is nothing like the customer base that we have in the gas compression segment. Um, it's just the complex ecosystem that, the, that these folks operate in and that we operate in. You know, everything from the major EMPs that are, that are out there to the privates, to the midstream operators, to the contract compression fleets, down to the you know AMS providers that are out there providing aftermarket service on CAD assets. And then our, our dealers out there participating in any and all of that as they support our, our gas compression end users. So to me, I think it, it's, it's all of the above. When you ask who my customers are out of the, 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 the entities that we, we just went through there. Yeah. So speaking to those customers, um, is there anything, this is, we're wrapping up you know, this year, we're already in September. Uh, so, you know, when we talk about increasing throughput and decreasing emissions, is there anything that you can say to the audience that would, um, that would help achieve that? I mean, are there, are there, is there anything that, you know, the cap Caterpillar would like to address to the audience to, you know, make sure you're doing these things um, in terms of lowering emissions and increasing throughput? Yeah, I think so. From the the cat side, uh, it, it, we're one piece of the equation, right? When you right. look at a gas compression asset, because you have the the engine or the driver on the package, you have the compressor, radiator, vessels, cooling. Um, but from our perspective, I, I think the way we measure ourselves in this space is, you know, we often look at it initially from a dollar per horsepower basis, in terms of for the dollar that it takes you to acquire and operate an asset. Uh, how much value do you, do you get out of that on a horsepower basis? And then if you take that and carry it through on the gas compressor side of that, you can measure it in terms of a dollar for MCF. Mm -hmm. So when you look at our approach as Caterpillar and as an engine provider, 
What we're really looking to do is to provide a low total cost of ownership on a dollar per horsepower or dollar per MCF basis. So on a dollar per production basis, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that uh, do you think that electric motors are going to continue to become? It just seems it seems like that's becoming more and more a thing about the electric motors. And I know Cat does have electric motors. I've never really encountered them out uh, out in the West Texas area. But um, how how is electric motors playing into this whole this whole equation? Sure. Yeah. So on electric motors, like you mentioned, so Cat we entered the electric motor business with our offering in 2015. Um, and so we, we've been able to have a seat at the table with our customers and packagers, whether they're building an electric motor package or a recip engine package. And uh, depending on that customer's goals, right, and, and what they have for utility availability, generally one of those products makes sense or the, over the other. But uh, I think what we've seen and, you know, there's a lot of models out there that, that we take a look at. We're evaluating how much of gas compression is going to go down the electrification field, um, you know. From some standpoint, you could look at that as maybe a threat to our reciprocating gas compression engine business. But from my standpoint, I, I look at it as an opportunity because, again, number one, we, we do have electric motors in our portfolio. But then beyond that, I think uh, many of our customers, as they've gone through the build out of their electric motor offerings and looking at the grid availability to support their build out plans, I think there, there's often times where maybe that the, the grid either doesn't make it to them on time or maybe makes it to them in a way that doesn't meet the reliability that they need to achieve, you know, let's say the 98% uptime that is required in their application. So if the grid, if you want to go electric, but if the grid's not where you want to be, then what do you do? Mm-hmm. You can look at doing power generation. So for me as Caterpillar, I have a broad portfolio of power generation solutions that can either you know complement or operate without the grid to still support our customers' electrification goals. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that that's going to be a reality of the business. And I think from our standpoint, we've got, you know, multiple tools in the tool bag to address our customers' needs, whichever direction they want to go in that yeah. space. So I can't, uh, I can't not uh, think that, that things are headed in a good direction for the gas compression industry. The, uh, the gas compression magazine just came out a couple of days ago. I got the email about it. Do you, did you see that? I don't know if you get the gas compression magazine via email, but the, I, the, I, I do not. The title of it was here comes the boom. And it, uh, Brent Hyatt, Brent Haight at the gas compression podcast at the gas compression magazine. He wrote this article just talking about we're all poised for this uh, post COVID Demand is super high. Supply has been kind of shrunk for a little while. And so we're we're just we're poised for the boom. I talked to some guys in the Permian Basin that say they can't get help and they're getting demand for set packages here and there. And so I'm just curious where Caterpillar sits on the I probably since post-COVID, y'all ever since COVID, Caterpillar's sort of been behind the eight ball because manufacturing got shut down and all that stuff. So just kind of curious if you can speak into where you guys are with production and, and what folks out in the gas compression world could expect. Yeah, I think no, that that's a fair question, Michael. And I think any anybody that's operated in this segment or touches our piece of equipment has probably experienced, you know, some issue along this front uh, as we've come out of the, like you said, COVID's probably a, a a good line in the sand to put in terms of where some of these challenges 
started coming into play. But like you said, I mean, we've been in a sustained period of robust demand in the gas compression segment. And that's both from a, you know, building and installing new equipment, as well as just operating existing equipment. I mean, if you go back over the last couple quarters of earnings calls, I mean, you're hearing some impressive utilization numbers, you know, high 80s, low 90s, mid 90s, upper 90s in some cases. Hold on. When you say utilization, what do you mean exactly? So utilization from a, uh, more so if you're the contract compression fleets, right? That's one, the the amount of horsepower that's available versus out there under contract. Mm -hmm. And really it's in most cases, if horsepower is available, it's out there running. Right. And so- there, there's been a lot of, I'll say, effort and activity, not only on the new engine side of the business, as well as the aftermarket service side of the business. As you're pulling, let's say, maybe some older assets off the fence, updating that, revamping that, and put it out to work. And so those two demand streams together have really been at an elevated level for CAT. And it's something that we're continuing to address. I think we can safely say at this point that our lead times for the factory have come down. As our customers are, are not shy about reminding us on a frequent basis, uh, we could always do more. Uh, we could always do it faster. And uh, we've got a lot of horsepower behind trying to do that because we absolutely want to serve our customers and their needs. And again, uh, more faster is the name of the game. Is there anything out there surprising for the audience to know about CAT? You know, CAT's just this, they're the giant, they're, they're, the, they're the ones that are kind of driving the, they're the driver in the gas compression world as far as engines go. And so just curious if there's anything that you, you'd want the audience to know uh, that cat is doing or up to or getting ready to do maybe next year or something like that anything yeah. anything on the horizon for cat that people might be surprised about yeah no that, that that's a great question i think for us like one of the items i was hoping to have the opportunity to highlight here is just you know i think if you if you look back traditionally i mean cat's been operating and supporting the oil field for uh, over 80 years and so for the vast majority of that time, you know, we, we and our cat dealers, we've probably been looked at mostly as equipment su- suppliers mm-hmm. or providers and parts providers. And really, the, to me, the step change even that I've seen from my, you know, now 12 years in the organization uh, is us evolving our customer relationships to be really solutions providers and site solutions providers. And what I mean by that is, you know, not only focus on what can we do out of the engine, you know, I mentioned the horsepower up rates and on the methane side of it, on the engine, we can reduce methane by 33 to 42%. Um, we can reduce greenhouse gas by six to 8% or six to eight. I don't want to say 68, six to 8%. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, no, I want to be very clear on that yeah. um, and maintaining low NOx emissions. Um, but for us, it's like, there's what can we do with the engine? But then what can we do with the adjacent components to the engine to continue to impact the emissions footprint on site for our customers? And so um, from our standpoint, that can mean, you know, if you're looking to further impact your methane footprint, one of the the levers you can pull or knobs that you can turn to do that is introducing a methane catalyst to the exhaust stream of the engine. Um, And so for us as an engine provider, really, we've we've worked with customers and had active discussions or really how do you optimize the installation of a methane catalyst? So in that case, we, we may not necessarily be the one providing it, but how do you do it in a way that you get the most out of the system when you look at the engine, the catalyst, and you know, let's say if you put a, a sulfur bed in front of the engine to minimize the amount of sulfur in the exhaust stream of your exa- exhaust stream of your engine, 
um, really just it really sitting at the table with our customers and, and figuring this out as as they're continuing to try to squeeze every every bit of emissions reduction as they can out of their sites. Is that something in your role as the sales manager? Is that primarily what you're tasked to do is go meet with these customers and sit down with them and say, where are you having problems? How can we help? It, it really is. So that that's that's the role of, of me and my team is sitting is is building relationships and getting closer than really ever with our customers. To understand, I mean, right now, I think emissions is one of the primary concerns. I think we've got uh, GPA coming up next week for us. I don't know what time this will air, but it'll be probably right in the middle of, of GPA. Mm-hmm. And emissions is at the forefront of, of many of our customers' concerns. So uh, for us, step one of my team is sitting down and engaging with each individual customer, uh, understanding their unique emissions goals, because in many cases, we found and we've heard that they they have goals that exceed what just the, the, the regulatory requirements are. Mm-hmm. And so each one of them maybe measure themselves a bit differently or have different timelines for those goals. And, and how do we make sure that we are developing tailored solutions that support each of those individual needs? So you really only do that with a, a boots on the ground, tactical engagement with those accounts. And uh, that's, again, that, that's what's driving me and my team day in, day out. Does your territory include all the United States or part of it, or how far do you we, go out? We do. Yeah. So for me, so, so for me and, and my team, primarily our focus is on accounts uh, in the U S as well as Canada, I would say, but we also support operators that operate around the globe. Um, and then we also have our international teams to where we have cat oil and gas staff that's based in China, in Latin America, in uh, Europe and the middle East and so on. So I think for us, you know, if you're asking me individually, my team, mm-hmm probably U.S. and Canada, but we work in concert with our resources around the globe to support our, our, our cat dealers and our end users around the world in the gas compression segment. I'm just curious, culturally, is it is it quite different when you're working in West Texas and you're working in Canada or is it kind of, it's everyone speaks the same language or is it, uh, is it, is it quite a bit different? Uh, it, it, it's more similar than you would think, uh, or, or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think for us, uh, the the, the interesting piece of it is, is the difference in how the two countries are approaching emissions. Um, if you look at the, the one of the main emissions drivers in the U.S. right now is the Inflation Reduction Act and the, the methane uh, monetization that comes along with that, or that yeah, it's the, the regulation as it's written is not finalized, but that's certainly the, the early indications that that's the path that it's going down. Whereas in Canada, it's more of a greenhouse gas footprint. So it's not only methane, but it's a combination of methane and CO2 to get to a, a CO2E type of requirement. So you're, you're kind of talking both things, but each the, the different regions have different requirements and different goals that, that they're trying to address. So for us, I think that just all the more emphasizes why it can't only be a methane conversation, but it has to be a complete greenhouse gas conversation. You still have to talk about NOx in the process as well. And that's why, you know, really everything that, we, that, that we're doing on our side is addressing each one of those constituents. In, in terms of what CAT's doing and being a solutions provider, I think the other thing that folks may not completely be aware of yet is that we acquired a company back in 2021 called Carbon Point Solutions. And Carbon Point Solutions is designed to be an on-engine carbon capture technology that captures the CO2 in the exhaust stream of what it's sized for is reciprocating gas engines and gas turbines. As, have you guys released that? Is that something that you're currently doing? Yeah. So currently we're in the process. We have a pilot demonstration plant. It's currently installed at a customer site on a 
on, on a 3600 size engine. Um, I currently expect to complete that demonstration in Q1 of 2024. And we're in active discussions right now with operators in both the US and Canada for feed studies for potentially more sites for that. So I think we're, we're really excited about some of the opportunities that, that that opens up for further emissions reductions on site. Can you explain how that actually works? I could try. <laughs> there's probably a few others that could speak to it a bit better. Uh, but really, there's two primary technologies that come along with that. Um, the first is a semi, semi-closed cycle and exhaust gas recirculation technology. And to put it simply, I think some of the challenges with carbon technology or carbon capture technology out there today is that it, they're not always, it, there's a challenge to be efficient with those when you have low concentrations of carbon. And so those two technologies of the semi-closed cycle and EGR, uh, it enhances those CO2 concentrations to allow for more efficient carbon capture in the process. And so the second technology that comes with that is our, our CO2 thermal swing adsorption, uh, which is kind of a proprietary CO2 carbon capture technology and that can be applied to both recip gas engines as well as turbines out there today. So it's kind of that those two technologies are the key enabler to what we're doing in the carbon capture space. Wow. So I guess you'd be ready to release those results sometime after Q1 next year. I think so. We, we will we will be hopefully advertising what we're doing in that space as quickly as possible after that. And again, yeah. I think we, we could follow up and have some more one-on-one conversations. If any of your listeners are interested, by all means reach out, but that's something that we're uh, excited about and hope to have some field results on that very shortly. I want to bring it back to balance, helping our customers balance their operational goals, out of which is, again, getting the best total cost of ownership that they can, um, along with lowering their emissions. So uh, we talked a bit about the the 3600 A4 Gen 2 that comes with it and you know, really lowering the emissions output of the engine based on in-cylinder components as well as software on the engine. Um, the other thing they're going to be introducing is a closed crankcase ventilation system. So right now, if you're operating with an open crankcase, there's probably some fugitive methane that's leaving through that open crankcase. And so next year, we're going to be introducing uh, closed crankcase systems to capture that uh, crankcase fumes and reintroduce that to the engine. So that, that, that technology should represent about another 20% reduction in your methane footprint on a given engine. Wow. Is that something that people that already have existing engines can adapt and modify, or is that just coming on the new engines? It is. So, yeah. So if, if you look at the, kind of the, 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 the two options that we have near term here, uh, that's, that's basically a bolt-on system. I'm going to oversimplify it a bit, but that's a field sure. installation that you could do on any asset that's out, that's out there running. Uh, we anticip- anticipate it being about a half-day job. And from a complexity and time to implement, that's probably going to be one of the best bang for your buck solutions that you'll have on the methane reduction front. From our standpoint, I guess it, it, to me at, at Caterpillar, we've had a lot of history working in an evolving emissions landscape. You know, I, I mentioned when I came into CAT on the tracker side of the business uh, in 2008, tier EPA diesel tier four was the name of the game. And so <laughs> I, I know it's, it's a gas compression podcast, what is diesel? But uh, I, I think the vast majority of what CAT does is really kind of on, on the diesel side of the business. So that tier four evolution went on for, you know, across decades. And so we, we, we have a lot of practice of, of keeping up with and exceeding the requirements of evolving, of evolving emissions regulations. And at the same time we were doing that in the you know early 2010s, we were introducing our you know, lower NOx offerings on the G3500 platform. So th- this is what CAT does, right? We're, we're a continuous innovator 
we know how to keep pace with these evolving emissions requirements, and we're going to continue to do that to, to meet our customers' needs. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, how would they do that? Yeah, LinkedIn's probably your, your best bet. Um, uh, it, it, it's, I'm out there, Russell Goss, Caterpillar, Gas Compression. Uh, by all means, please shoot me a note, shoot me a message. And uh, if I don't know the answer, I'll be glad to uh, find the folks that do within CAT. Well, that's great. Like I said, I would uh, I would love to have you back on maybe a few times a year just to kind of get an update on what is going on uh, from CAT to the gas compression world. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, man, look forward to seeing what, what CAT does in the future. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate the opportunity.